I'm a fun guy. Uh, obviously, I love the game of basketball. Um, I mean, it's just more question you have to ask me um, in order for me to tell you about myself. I just can't give you a whole spiel. <laughs> I don't even know where you're sitting at. <laughs> Welcome back, ladies and gents. This is episode number 21. As always, your host, Mr. Monson Flake, here with another wonderful episode that's going to bring tears to your little eyes. It's going to be beautiful. Um, we have things a little changed up today. Hayden is absurdly sick. He, if everybody can send all the prayers to Hayden's way, he came home from Canada, and the last few days while he was in Canada, he all of a sudden got some kind of crazy rash and hives all over his body like it looks like i thought he got burned like a sunburn third fourth degree type stuff but it's just some kind of rash he didn't eat anything weird or didn't don't he doesn't think it's an allergic reaction he's been to the emergency room the past like couple of nights he's had to go run up there i had to go pick him up last night pretty late um and so yeah we don't we're not entirely sure what's wrong with him but he is alive he's just got like breathing issues and for some reason, an absurd rash and hives. So everybody, send your prayers Hayden's way, and hopefully he can be able to recover soon. Um, in place for Hayden today, this wasn't planned, but it's going to happen. As always, you guys know who the man is, Dinez, my barber, the goat, my homie from day one. Well, not necessarily, but, you know, from a, from an early day, an early day. Um, yes, but sir. Dinez is here. Dinez, tell I'm him what's here, up. I'm here. I'm returning again. This is my second time. Back on the Life Must Go On podcast. Um, kind of like Monson said, spur of the moment. Decided to jump on here, fill in for our guy Hayden. Uh, we wish him well and hope that he has a speedy recovery. But I'll be acting in place of him. Yes, he is acting co-host. <laughs> Good to be back. Um, and then special enough, Dinez is actually in town and joining us today because... His father, Alonzo Nez, is joining us as our main guest today, and so Devin came with him. Um, we have a lot of questions, and we're excited to get to know Alonzo. Um, right before we jump into that, last week was awesome, getting to know uh, Jason some more and getting to hear his story with his wife and cancer. Huge shout-out to him and Giving Sunshine and the projects that they're doing. It was super awesome just talking to him and getting some really good insight as far as overcoming grief and challenges and so if you haven't listened to that one yet, go listen to it because that one will give you a lot of a lot of positivity. That one's really, really good. And so, but now we got another awesome guest on, and so I'm excited to ask him all the questions. And that is where we will start from. Alonzo. I always want to call you Al. I want That's to call fine. you Alonzo. Devin, your middle name is Alonzo, correct? It is, it is. That's okay. where I get it from. Okay, yes. Coincidentally. Yes, coincidentally, except not at all. <laughs> <laughs> but do you prefer Al or Alonzo? Uh, yeah, either one, whatever you feel comfortable with. Alonzo's kind of cool, you know? It makes me think of like Alonzo Ball, yes. but Alonzo Ball. <laughs> <laughs> or there's uh, Alonzo Morning. That was back in my day. Hey, that's true. That Yes, that's more your time. You're right. <laughs> um, and so, Al, could you actually just introduce yourself, let everybody know, you know, kind of who you are and a little bit about yourself? Sure, sure. Well, I appreciate being here. Um, like I said, my name is Alonzo Nez. I'm uh, originally from New Mexico. I'm a Navajo uh, Indian from the Navajo Reservation. And uh, I grew up there for a good part of my life. And then, you know, obviously, lived with a foster family, went to college, and... Uh, became a federal officer, 
which is what I'm in right now, which is my current profession. Mm. I'm a United States Probation and Pretrial Office for the District of Utah. I transferred here from the District of New Mexico. Um, like you introduced my son over here. He's one of three sons I have. Mm. Uh, I have two other ones, Ryan and Jason. Uh, and my wife has uh, escorted me today. She's over here, my lovely wife, Sharon. And uh, she has two kids as well, uh, Haley and Brandon. But uh, here in the District of Utah, I'm uh, the training specialist. So I'm really in charge of training, preparing officers to, you know, to fulfill their duties responsibly and effectively. If you could real quick, I don't even know exactly what a federal officer does. <laughs> well, there's a whole bunch. I pray you um, don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I'm glad I haven't run into it. But you know, yes, but. if you don't know us, that's a good thing, right? <laughs> if we're at your house at 6 a.m. on a Sunday morning, that's probably not a good thing. <laughs> but uh, I'm, uh, like I said, I'm with the United States Probation and Pretrial Office, so I'm a United States Probation Officer, and basically monitor, investigate, supervise individuals who commit federal crimes or are convicted and just to make sure they behave and get their life straight and help them get their life straight as well. So primarily that's what I do, work with a lot of uh, uh, people who are in the federal system. Yeah. Uh, before this, I was in the District of New Mexico. I was the juvenile specialist mm. and primarily worked with uh, juveniles that were in the federal system. There's actually a, a real prisons for juveniles. Yeah. And so my job was to uh, oversee that as they transitioned out into the community, wow. try to figure out how to help them get into school or wherever they want to go in life kind of get them back on their feet yes and you transferred from there to where you're at now yes yes wow so you were in you were in new mexico for a long time yeah so i was i went back to new mexico and i was there about 10 years uh-huh wow. so. okay okay so you went back so you started in new mexico which we're gonna get into this but just to help me start in new mexico and then came to Utah? Yeah, I lived here in Utah uh, during my middle, junior high, uh, high school years. Graduated, yeah. then went to uh, BYU. Hmm. Graduated from there and then got a job in probation. Yeah. And then went to the feds and started here actually with the feds here in Utah and then transferred to or started in New Mexico as a federal officer there on the, yeah. on the reservations yeah. out there. Do they automatically like refer you to the reservation because you're Native American? <laughs> <laughs> or was it, your, was it kind of your choice and desire? It was uh, my choice. Well, actually, it was the only place that hired me. I applied oh, really? everywhere else, um, and uh, New Mexico offered it. Wow. And so I went down there, and uh, I was assigned to the field office that primarily covers, uh, we call it Indian country or reservations. Yeah. But, yes, I covered uh, that down there. Because in New Mexico, there's 22 reservations. Uh-huh. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> I didn't even know there was that many. That's crazy. Yes, here in Utah, there's eight. Yeah, okay. What are the ones here? They're Navajo, Ute, Paiute, Go Shoot. Go Shoot. Yes. Okay, never mind. I knew these things. See, I'm a rookie, <laughs> and and that's actually I I would like to actually kind of start there, um, and really into your upbringing and childhood. There are it, just so much about Native Americans that nobody knows, um, and just getting to know you guys, getting to know your family, um, like Devin is. All the way down to Devon, generationally, he's still 100% Navajo. And so you guys are like direct back to the, you know, proper Indians. And it's just nobody knows much of Native American history. And so I guess if you could somewhat paint that picture as explain, as you're explaining your childhood and upbringing, I'd love to kind of get that view of the world for people because there's just it's a different place that people don't really know about. 
It is. It is. It is a like you said. It's a place. It, with regards to natives, they're primarily only known natives, mm. Native Americans from movies, mm. and generally <laughs> when you see the movies, they're portrayed as you know these alcoholic. You know, they live on this <laughs> yeah, desolate sure. place in America where you know it's like just desert. Mm. Um, and part of that is true. You know, I grew. I was born on the Navajo Reservation in Fort Defiance, Arizona, which is just outside the capital of the Navajo Nation, which is Windrock. Mm. And I was born there. My mom, actually, she was a teenage mom. And that's not uncommon with the Native population to have mm. young moms. But uh, I was uh, born to a teenage mom and then um, kind of bounced around as I was little. With the Indian culture, we it's not unusual for grandparents to uh, raise or help raise their grandkids. And so I spent a lot of time with my grandmother and lived with her off and on, and then my various aunts. Because um, my mom, obviously, she was young and then still in high school, trying to figure out life. And uh, being young, I kind of moved around on the res, and uh, it's very poor. There's not a lot of opportunities. Um, yeah. There's a lot of high um, alcoholism, high, high school drop or school dropout rates. There's a lot of violence. Um, there's just a lot, not a lot of things on that side. If you look at the life in general, there's not a lot of positive things, you know, yeah. opportunities. Um, but the one thing that was great, you know, is that uh, living with family and staying with them, especially my grandmother, mm. where I learned a lot about the Indian culture and uh, being Native and and uh, about perseverance. I think that's the thing that most Natives or most people don't know about Natives is that we've been here for hundreds of years yeah. and we somehow persevered and make it. Despite, you know, all the challenges and obstacles we have on the res, yeah. you know, when we think of reservations, most people just think of, like I said, the the negative aspects of it. But mm. they sometimes don't recognize the the positive, the beautiful side of, of Native Americans, yeah. which is primarily their spirituality, um, their simpleness, their humbleness, their great sense of humor. Mm. They're great artists. You know, they. Um, I always tell people, I said, you know, especially with Natives, I tell them, I said. You know they they forget that they came from greatness hmm. you know and and i think somewhere along the way they, they forgot that just because of living in america living where they're at they lose sense of where they're going and what's what's their purpose in life yeah. and so being native being where i'm at i try to remind them and encourage them and motivate them and maybe provide some inspiration about remind them who they are and where they came from totally. and what they possess in their life like you were saying that we we have Indian blood in us, yeah. and uh, that's kind of a unique, special thing, especially in America. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was challenging in growing up, like I said, and uh, end up in a foster home. Well, actually, I went to boarding schools for a while there, really? which is not uncommon on the res. They kind mm -hmm. of just put you in a boarding school wherever. And you just kind of take care of yourself, check in like it's a dorm. <laughs> wow. You stay there all week, and then if your family shows up to visit you or pick you up, they yeah. come do that. But if not, you... Just stay there all school year. And the way you say that, it sounds like your family didn't come visit you all the time. <laughs> um, it was hit and miss. Yeah. I mean, because, you know, my family, we, uh, unfortunately, there was a lot of alcoholism, a lot of drinking, yeah. a lot of violent uh, behavior. Mm. And uh, so you grow up with that and you just think that life's normal. Like, that's just part of life. Yeah, you see it, totally. the way that they interact with each other. And so it, it wasn't unusual that mm. you didn't see your family sometimes. Yeah. Totally. And you said that your your mom, she was a teen mom. Yes. You ended up in foster home. So I assume 
I assume that your father, you don't know much about him. I met him once. Really? Yeah. And uh, I spent, actually, I remember spending one day with him. And at times I think of that memory because I just think of, like, what would it have been like to, you know, to have your father around? Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, so I've, I only met him once. Yeah, totally. Wow, that's wild. And how was that experience? Was it like, <laughs> was it an exciting experience or was it kind of, I don't really know you very well, this is kind of a strange experience. What was that like? It, it was kind of like, that. you know, you don't know him, but yeah. they drop you off and like, hey, here's your dad. And you're like just hanging out for the day. Really? And you don't think anything of it. And that's really the only memory I have of him. Really? You know. Huh. And you were pretty young, it sounds like? Yes, I was. And so I guess from birth, which was eons ago. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Probably what, 22 years ago. You know, oh, you're my. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> but um, I guess from that point, did you what, – what was the timeline from your mom giving birth to you to being in foster care? Was it just then, like after she gave birth and she couldn't take care of you because she was young, or was it a couple years later? Well, what was interesting was I did spend some time with my mom for a little bit here and off and on. I stayed with her. And then eventually I was adopted by um, my my aunt. Mm. Well, I think it was around, I want to say nine, eight. Wow. And uh, so I stayed with her. And then when I went into foster home was uh, about 13. And then I stayed there until I graduated from high school. Yeah. And I, people think that's good and bad. It It wasn't great, obviously. You don't get to be with your family. Yeah. But on the flip side, I learned a lot because my foster family was white. Oh, really? So I learned a lot from them, you know, about um, just how the way of life is off the res. Mm Because you go on the res, it's a whole different experience. Totally. I I hate to say third world country, but it's pretty close. But it's not as desolate or, you know, as that. But there's a lot of its own challenges. But living in the the foster home the, with uh, Anglo parents, mm. uh, I learned a lot. Uh, and that's how I got into college. I don't think if I would have lived with that family, I don't think I would end up going to college or really? even graduating from high school. Really? And was that, how was that situation as far as like being on the reservation? I know that one of the challenges can be just because of just how humans are and we make mistakes, but being on the reservation and then people off the reservation. Um, for like you going to like a white family, was that any kind of was there like a strange animosity towards it, like with your friends at school or anything like that, or what was that situation? Um, you, you know, the high school I went to was predominantly you know all white, okay. and uh, there was a few of us natives there. I could count on, you know, I think there was maybe fifteen, sixteen of us at one time. Yeah. So there wasn't a whole lot of us, uh. and uh, yes, there was some animosity. Um, from that, I got into quite a few fights. You oh, know. really? Alonzo yes. throwing hands <laughs> out there, my man. Yes, and uh, I think part of it was just because you know I, I I always spoke my mind, and I wasn't going to allow them to treat us in a certain way. Because being native, you know, even wherever you're at, you know, when you're a person of color, you do get treated a certain way. Hmm. And, uh, and it happens in New Mexico. It happens here. Uh, unfortunately, it's still around. Yeah. You know, and um, so a lot. Of, I think part of it was just based on that. You know, we're, we're different, and yeah, different cultures, yes. different backgrounds, and things like that. Yeah, look at life differently, live life differently. You know, hmm. and so being Native American, I know that there is 
there's kind of a unique as well, just an animosity towards like the traditional Native American things and the traditions that they do as far as any kind of rituals, any kind of ceremonies is probably a better word. Um, and then laws of like a more, I guess, I don't know what a word would be, but just the way the world is today. And I know that from what Dinez has shown me with the, uh, what was that tribe you showed me in New Mexico on that video? Oh, the Lakota. It's in South Dakota. Yes. with the Okay, yes. With like the Lakota tribe, she talks about how having traditional Native American ceremonies kind of contradicted with certain things in today's world. And so did you ever like see that or face that as you were growing up? Oh, yeah, constantly. Mm. I mean, that's the thing that uh, is a challenge because, uh, you know, Natives, we live here in America. Yeah. But there's different lifestyles outside the reservation and then when you go on the reservation obviously people live different they look at life differently yeah and uh, you know my wife and i talk about this all the time it's just um you know like for instance the natives they don't strive to be the the shiny bead on the necklace mm. that isn't a goal in their life yeah they don't strive to have that 401k they don't strive to have that uh the biggest house the most toys they're very humble and they're very grateful people but they're also very spiritual mm. and they see life from um, a very simple but um, purposeful meaningful way not that not everybody else does that but yeah um, for them they like you said there's ceremonies that they do and a lot and you know for like the navajos there's four stages of the of life there's the infant then the adolescent and the adult and then the, the um, elderly mm. And in each one of those phases that there's ceremonies that the natives go through, and part of it is in those ceremonies, um, they learn about life, yeah. and they learn about um, how to manage your life better. Yeah. And, and a lot of it's prayers and a lot of it's blessings, um, and then you learn some teachings about mm -hmm. your life. And some natives believe that if you don't go through some of those ceremonies in each four of those different phases, um, your life gets out of balance. Yeah. And then you lose direction, or you lose understanding, or you lose purpose in your life, and mm -hmm. then you get lost, or you make bad decisions. And so you go back to those ceremonies, or you have these things that need to be done to help um, heal your spirit, yeah. help balance your mind and body, so that you can continue on your journey. And so like for soldiers, when they go to war, mm -hmm. they come back and they have a ceremony to, um, really, uh, I guess, get rid of the negative negative energy that they have on them, mm. clear their mind and uh, heal their soul so that they can continue on. Because if not, they carry all of that uh, yeah. exposure to violence, to whatever they're exposed to, they carry it with them. And that, that isn't really the purpose for them to do because it makes life just that more challenging. Totally. So they go through those ceremonies. That's one of the things there is to help them heal themselves and to bring balance. Mm. Okay. So those things are things that are still practiced, things that you'd still go back to the reservation and do with family. And um, Devin said that you are, I know that huge thing, and I hope that this helped. I guess growing up, just from what you just have said, it sounds like it was obviously, you know, it can be a rough place at times where you were at and the situations that you're going through. But I know that one huge thing with Native Americans is family and the bond of family members. Um, Devin said that you're still in touch with most of your family members that side. Um, how was that experience with family on the reservation versus you not being on the reservation? Is there any 
I, I know it can, same word, animosity. Is there any of that, or, or, or how has that experience been with, with just staying in touch with them? You know, that's, the, that's one of the things that's unique about Natives is that uh, we never want to think or speak ill about mm-hmm. others because we don't want to put um, ill or bad spirits upon somebody. Right. And so when you really do talk about, when you really talk to Natives, they will never say, like, you know, it's bad, they're a bad family or a bad person because it's taboo really yeah. to say that and to do that. So pretty much, you know, all relations are, are pretty good. And they're, I mean, they're not always the best, but they're not yeah. the worst either. Yeah, I know how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but it's it's just that balance of part of it is the culture. Yeah. You don't want to put ill feelings upon somebody by speaking bad about them. That's the cultural yeah. belief and, you know, taboos because you really want other people to have a good life. Totally. And that's totally. really what, you know, that's part of going to the ceremonies is that you want to have that so that you can also give it. Right. Having that balance and kind of, okay, very, very cool. And so I guess growing up through some difficult circumstances, family, you'd say, was just kind of a big help, being able to have people like your grandma you've talked about and your aunt and those kinds of things. For for you, I guess, in in touch with life must go on and in touch with that, for you... How were you able to, you know, like you said, if there's if if you if you grow up in a place where you do see violence and you do see alcoholism and you do see things of that sort, um, like I've talked about, even within my own family and just things like that, for you, in your situation, and then you saying, oh, once I got this foster family, that's probably the only reason I went to college. How did you, over time, as young Alonzo to growing Alonzo, make the notice like notice? issues and then realize like okay I want to make my life like this and so I'm going to do a b and c how did you kind of I guess formulate that you know I think uh I think part of it is just like I said when we look at ourselves as natives we think of we don't necessarily think of ourselves as as defeated or like you know we we see life really in a positive perspective right that's, that's why I said is that they're very humble they're very grateful and they're very generous with, you know, I mentioned my grandma, she didn't have a lot, she was poor, but you never knew that she was because people would come over and she'd feed them all and yeah. welcome them yeah. in. And, and so growing up, I was exposed to just that type of behavior. And even my own mom right mm-hmm. now is that way. She would, she'd give you her last, you know, nickel yeah. if you needed it. You know, she would give up whatever she needed to give to you. And so growing up, you're right, I did see a lot of the negative things of life. But at the same time, I, I also saw the pure purity of kindness Just and good people and goodness, you yeah. know, and being, you know, um, respectful and and uh, kind to others. Yeah. And so. It wasn't all, like I said. It wasn't always just bad, but also weighing it with the positives because you don't understand it when you're younger, right? You yeah. don't see life that way. Yeah. But as you get older, you don't realize what you take with you in your life. That mm. that your life really is not that bad. You know, like I, I come out here and I hear the stories of some of these people, and I think, man, I, I grew up poor. To us, dinner sometimes was ketchup on a piece of bread. <laughs> Sounds you know? wonderful, <laughs> <laughs> and wa- and water, mm. but we made it work, right. you know. I mean, and we didn't die, and we didn't, you know. And so for us, that's what I mean is that growing up, I saw great examples of of um, 
spirituality, of kindness. Mm-hmm. My family, on my family side, they're very traditional. What that means is that they practice a lot of their cultural beliefs in every day of their life. Yeah. And seeing what they did and how they lived their life, I took part of that. I didn't take everything, obviously. Mm. Uh, but combining it with what I learned from my foster family, um, I think that gave me a kind of a balanced perspective on life. Yeah. That th- there was things that you can do to make your life better than what you have it, and that you don't have to keep just living at that level that your family was at. Not that it was bad. They didn't ever complain. Right. right. Um, when you go to the res, you don't hear them complaining like, oh, man, my life's so bad. It's horrible. Yeah. You don't hear that. But on the flip side, um, learning from my foster family that there, there's things that you can do um, with your life, you know, if, if you really wanted to make some changes in your life. Mm. So taking that, I was fortunate to be with the family that I have. And one of the probably the best things that I learned from my father were two things. One is really how to communicate better. I didn't really learn how to communicate well um, growing up with uh, on, the, on the reservation. Not that we're bad communicators, but we we just communicate differently. Yeah, it's just a different, yeah, different and, dynamic. Uh, um, and the other one was, there was never a question whether or not I'd go to college. My foster mom was just like, when you go, when you go. Oh, yeah. And so there was an expectation. Yeah, it was okay. just an expectation. And so I ended up going, mm. you know, and college was a whole different experience. Yeah. And uh, so I think part of it was just... I probably learned a lot from my grandmother about keeping a balanced perspective of life Mm. that, you know, just be good, be kind. Don't look at everything so negative. She would always say that, you know, and I took that with me and didn't realize that it was already ingrained in me. And then that's how I kind of lived my life that, you know, everything's going to be okay. Don't try to, you know, get too overwhelmed with, with life, but that's hard. That's hard to do. Yeah, it's hard to focus <laughs> when you're in the moment. Totally, totally. But I, I think it's like a huge, huge skill in all honesty because, I mean, if I can shout out you guys' whole family, I know you all pretty well at this point, and they're all like that. Everybody. Go to Amber's house, it's like that. You know, it, it's just every everything that they have, you guys give, which is really, really cool. And I, and I feel as if living in your life in that kind of view takes you out of your what people might look at as your poor circumstances. I Like, when I was growing up, I didn't realize how poor we were um, until I got older, like you're saying. Because when you're young, you're just happy to be alive. <laughs> and you're you're able to acknowledge, like, hey, I'm, I'm, I have a, you know, roof over my head, and my dad made us spaghetti for, like, the 20th time tonight, or 20th time this <laughs> week, but I'm still going to eat it and enjoy it. And just when you're young, your perspective is just enjoying the moment. And so I think... I guess just what you're explaining, it's it's cool to see that from the native culture and then from as well your foster family culture, you're able to take the good of both of those and just say, okay, I'm going to take these good things and this is what's going to kind of help me go on. I was, was going to comment on that as well, the same thing. Like the, I, I listened to Monson's podcast about the, it wasn't Refiner's Fire, I don't think, but it was one of those. It might have been. Anyways, it was the one where he, he mentioned, you know, his dad, was raising his his siblings and him, you know, just all you know, eight check of to check, basically. <laughs> and it made me think about, like, what my dad was saying. And then uh, as a kid, you know, you don't really think too much about 
financial situation and he shouldn't i mean that's not what kids usually think about but (laughs) i think uh my dad at least and my mom too she they made it very uh safe to to live i think i i never felt like we were poor um and i never felt like we had to struggle to get by and from their perspective it might have been different but for me and my brothers we always felt like we were taken care of I think that's the number one uh, priority of of native parents is the kids are always always first priority. The younger generation is taken care of, um, and I, I especially in South Dakota, there <laughs> there weren't any like like orphans per se. Uh, <laughs> the grandparents would would take them in before mm. anybody else had to if if it had to come to that, but. It's a. It was a culture of very like, uh, I guess, family oriented uh, beliefs. In that, if there's a kid in need, people would step in. Somebody would help out. And I always felt that with with my dad and my mom, and our, our relatives as well. Like you were saying. And so, um, just to relate to Monson's thing, like his dad, you know, working, you know, all day just to just to feed his his kids um i think there's a lot of of value and and insight to life when you look at it as simply as that i'm just trying to provide take care um and we lose sight of that in the material things of nowadays and we think oh we got to have you know a new car we got to have the biggest house we got to have you know this big time job but really it's it's just giving back to to those around you and then you find in life that there's there's so much more happiness when you look at it that way. Mm. And you want to know what's cool about that? And him talking about my pops is that my grandpa was born on a native reserve, oh. believe it or not. Nice. <laughs> I forgot about so that. I, think you I, said for, that I forget about it too. But um, yeah, my grandpa was born on a native uh, reserve. I can't remember where. I can't remember exactly where. But, you, you know, to go with what Devin said, and it goes back to what you were asking about natives, is, yeah. you know, back in the old days, tribes they would all get together in the spring and plant you know because the idea is that fall will come right and so we have to have food right so it wasn't like they just focus on just each the individual cells they focused on like making sure everybody was provided for and cared for Mm. you know and so they planted and then we harvested that big celebration when they harvested and then made sure everybody had enough for the winter right you know, it wasn't just a me, me. It was a, it was an us, yeah. and that's really how natives, you know, their history. That's how they've lived their life. Right. So it's almost just like years of traditional goodness, kind of passed down generation to generation. Sure. Hmm. Yes. That's really cool. That is really cool. And I guess that's probably the idea of. I never get the story correct because you don't know, but it's probably the idea of like Thanksgiving. <laughs> I never get the story correct because I feel like I've heard something different and we don't need to get into it. But anywho, just thinking of that. Yeah. Um, but okay, very, very cool. And so I guess it's just cool to see the way that you've taken those. I don't know. It's it, This whole episode so far, just so everybody can kind of, hopefully get on the same page that I'm on because this is all entertaining for me. This is very fun. Um, but just hearing the way that you talk about, like, your past, I mean, hearing if someone I know around here specifically said that they ate 
ketchup and bread for dinner, it would be like the biggest sop story. And for you, it's just kind of like, yeah, just, you know, it, it was what it was. <laughs> and uh, there was still a lot of good in it. I just think that that, that that is an unteachable skill. And it's almost like you have to go through it, but there's some people who can kind of learn it from just observing. And so I guess for you taking those skills, I, well, I'm getting off track, but for the most part, all I'm just, all I'm thinking of and, and saying is just ultimately that it's just really cool the perspective of, yeah, to the average person, this kind of thing would seem really intense and severe. Um, but for us or for me, it's just, yeah, that's just how it was. And I had a good perspective on life and then I continued forward. And so I guess ultimately what would be your advice um, where you're at now, um, just what your advice would be to people who go through struggles? Um, I guess, I mean, somewhat along the lines of what Devin was saying, but just what would your advice from your life experiences be to people going through struggles and, and how they can view it in a more positive manner? Well, you know, that's a big loaded question. You know, you could, <laughs> it was a very you loaded a, and poorly worded question, <laughs> so I apologize. Um, no, it's a, it's a good question because I get asked it a lot. Mm. You know, um, throughout my career as a, uh, a federal officer, I've, I've been asked, like, how did you make it? Why, why you as a native mm. were able to, I don't want to say was successful, but that's what they question, how the question was brought to me. Like, what was different right. about you versus... Joe over here, right? And I, I used to not know the answer, but as I've gotten older and matured and looked at back at my life, I think there was a number of factors. Um, one of it is that I've learned is that uh, you know if you live your life um, through your beliefs and your values, uh, you're going to be okay. Hmm. You know that's the one thing that people don't do very well. They think that this is what they want, but they really don't live it. You know, and so they they're torn between what they say they are, but they actually are what they actually um, do. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing is, and this is the one thing that I probably have learned much more so, two things. One is the people that we surround ourselves with determine our, obviously ultimately kind of who we'll become. Right. And so I've been fortunate and blessed in my life to have met amazing people on my journey teachers, friends, um, counselors, peers, family. And what I mean by that is that they were both positive, they were motivating, they were encouraging, they were inspiring, they were uplifting, they were, they just made you believe that you could do it. Mm. And so some of those people I still know, some, you know, they came in for a moment and then were gone. And I think they had, they served their purpose. But I think that was one thing in my life, like I said, is that I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by positive, you know, the right people. That was one thing. The other one is, and this is one thing I strive to do every day. And I, when I said the natives, a lot of big of life is spirituality. Mm. And it, part of it is finding that balance between your mind, your body, and your soul. And try to sync them all together at the beginning of the day. You know, like I, when I work with people and try to help them, I tell them, you know, the first 20 minutes of what you expose your brain to, your mind to, is going to determine what your day is going to be like. Mm. If you're rushing, if you're stressed, if you're sad, if you're angry, that's probably how your day is going to be. Right. But if you expose it to um, something that's uplifting, 
or you take a moment just to be with you, just to get your thoughts. Probably your listen to the Life Must Go On podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, that you really what you're trying to do is sync them so they all are functioning at one, right. as one. I don't know if you're a runner, but, you know, I run. And if your mind and your body and your breathing, you know, your soul are not all together, working together, it, it's hard to run. Mm. Because your mind's thinking one thing and your body's thinking another thing. Right. It wants to do another thing. And that's really what I've learned in life. And I, I base it on being native. I base it on just living life in that when we sync, when we prepare our day with that mindset and we get our all of everything in sync, we can handle anything that comes us, at mm. us during the day. You know, mm. I, you, we're here at BYU and... Uh, you know, the LDS faith is strong here, and I think you know when when these a lot of them they read their scriptures or they do something in the morning, right? right. It's kind of the same thing, mm-hmm. you know, for natives is that we are trying to get our mind in that right mindset, totally. so that we can flow with the whatever comes at us that day. You know, that we don't we don't we f- don't forget who we are, what our purpose is, where we're headed, right. that we're reminded of the the positive things in our life the strengths that we that we possess and the abilities and so life doesn't feel unbearable doesn't feel like we can't overcome it because we forget that in those moments right when life gets challenging Hmm. our emotions overwhelm us and then we start thinking negatively and then we just do something stupid and then we make life even harder but a lot of it is what we do to prepare ourselves each day to meet it to greet it to you know to achieve and work towards what we're trying to do right but we make it harder you know, a lot of times just by the choices we make. Hmm. So those, you know, that's the one thing that I strive to. I, every day I yoga, I do yoga, I meditate, I work out. And it really is just that so that I can have just a stronger uh, uh, being facing life or handling life for that day. Totally. So just those kind of really small decisions because a yeah. lot of people think it's big decisions. But ultimately, like you're saying, first 20 minutes of your day can change ultimately the outcome of how your day goes. And yeah. so... I guess for you, just those small decisions, those small decisions and changes in your lifestyle, kind of have what puts you on the path that you're on. It is. I mean, to create change, you know, we can't control what happens to us in life, but to create change, we have to change. Right. Right. But that's the irony about life is that we have it's everything starts with us, right? Mm-hmm. How we see it. If we change the way we see things in life, life will change, mm-hmm. right? And for us to make progress in life, we have to help others make progress when we make they, when we help them make progress we make progress right right if we want to find happiness you know we have to create that happiness for us mm. and so it's sometimes it's like we think that other people are going to give us these things and it really isn't <laughs> yeah. it starts with us right and how we um, manage our life how we continue to challenge ourselves how we continue to grow and to learn you know just like you and and Devin you guys are going outside your comfort zone. I'm inspired by you. I hear your story and what you're doing right now. I remember I met you, you know, I was talking to you a couple months ago and you were like, I really want to do something to help motivate and to bring mm-hmm. some good into the world. That's inspiring, you know, and, and you're taking this little step like what you're doing right now, you know. There's not many people who will pursue their dreams, who will pursue their goals. That's part of the other thing that I, I teach of my in my position as an officer is I try to help people achieve their goals. Yeah, because only three percent of the population write their goals down. Really, eighty-three percent of the population don't even have goals. Wow, 
you know, most people go through their day about 45, 50% of the time is just going through the motions. Totally. But it's that roughly that 3 to 5% that actually pursue their dreams. Mm. And, you know, that's when it, that's you. Because you're like, I'm going to find my own path and I'm going to pursue <laughs> what I want. Yeah. And you're taking that chance. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's inspiring. Just Thank your you. behavior, just that little step that you're doing. You know, my, Devin over here, he always talks so highly of you. Oh, you Dev. And uh, <laughs> when I, I saw you, when you, when I saw both of you guys playing in high school, I didn't even think you were going to be his friend. Hmm. Really, I didn't. But ultimately, I think it worked out in the best way. You know what I mean? Because I, you're somebody different that I saw. Hmm. And just getting to know you, man, you just, yeah, you're going to do really well. Hmm. Well, thank you. Thank you very much, <laughs> for real. Thank you. And that was a really good answer, too that question I, that this thank you very very cool um you touched up into something that i actually wanted to head in that direction so that was actually really good um that well that teaching alone it's that's that's a universal teaching no matter what race culture background you come from those things will help you no matter what you're doing i like that you tied in you know around here like you're saying there's a lot of lds people and then obviously on the native reserves there's a lot of spiritual people and then those things that you do on the reserve to get in, in balance and, and what you've done your whole life versus what people do at a church or what people do in a social group or all those things, those attributes of just this, or those steps of just small and simple things, that is what ultimately will help you throughout your day, those small, simple steps. And so for you, fast forwarding through your future, you go to college, um, you graduate, you get a job, um, you were here going to school, and you got a job on the Native Reserve again um, as a federal officer. These teachings that you're sharing with us right now and, and, and this conversation, are these the things that you're teaching to them ultimately, these people that are coming out of juvenile centers and you're helping them do these things? Is that kind of where that applies to? It is. I mean, it, 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 at least I try to. You know what I mean? I try to be the example because, you know, words are cheap, right? People can sell you a used car. Right. Right. But to actually do the work and to show it and display it, that's the challenge part, right? And so I do share it with words, but I also try to show it more in behavior, hmm. you know, in trying to be patient with them and try to be understanding with them and encouraging and, and try to, because what I do, obviously, they're going to, you know, use or be taught that's how I respond. Hmm. If they do something native, I'm, I'm, I'm jumping on them and I'm yelling at them or whatever. The, 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 that I don't think that helps them. But if I we process it, I understand, and then we figure out what we need to do differently. Right. You know, it's I'm I'm hoping that I teach them not to overthink. Mm -hmm. That there's a way out of the darkness. That it's okay. You're human, and ultimately, what can we do now to figure out the how to steps. solve this? Yeah. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. And do you feel as if? your whole life. I love looking at the parallels of life and kind of how life sometimes goes full circle. Um, when you look back to your childhood um, and then different challenges that you experienced and then how you handled those challenges, is this just kind of like ultimately it's led you to being able to share these lessons with these people? You know, I didn't ever think of it like that until I met my wife and, uh, because, you know, in my job, we're, we're not really highly appreciated sometimes because <laughs> people think we're just locking people up and right. we're just trying to make people's lives hell. And, <laughs> you know, we don't care. And all we're worried about is, you know, what, what we think. Because really, when, we're, when you're in law enforcement, 
90% of the time, the people do what you tell them to do, mm. right? But in life, that's not really how life works, yeah. right? You, you can't just dictate what people live their mm. life like because they have their own life. And so, you know, to get where I'm at, it, it really, it, it's been a big journey from what I've learned from a, a young, I learned a lot about culture, then midway through my, my early teens, I learned about the other side of life, you know, and then got put in the big pot and tried to figure out, you know, what was what worked and what didn't work. Because you don't take everything in life with you, yeah. right? Yeah. You take some things with you please, from here, from here. Everybody I've met in my life, I take something from them, mm. you know, that I've learned something from them. And ultimately, you shape your life, you know, I. I take a lot from my grandparents. I take a lot from my teachers. I take a lot from from you and Devin. Just hearing you guys' stories, it mm. recharges me because I'm like, you know, somewhere along the way, somebody did right because you guys are doing right. You know what I mean? We're decent. Six, six out of <laughs> I'm a six out of ten. Devin, would, Devin's a four out of ten. <laughs> Together, we're you, ten out of ten. Yeah. I would I would add something to that because uh, I think my at least how I recall. My childhood, my my wife and I talk about it a lot. Um, just things that our parents taught us growing up. Um, my dad was always the guy that he was like, what is it? Like the, you know the angel and the and the devil sit on your shoulders. Um, when I was a kid, you know, I had two younger brothers, so I was always wailing on them, or they were wailing on me, and. You know, you got to share the the we and, you know, just brother stuff. <laughs> and it, it get, gets to points sometimes where your parents have to intervene. And my dad was usually the guy that uh, was the, the angel on my shoulder, whereas I was thinking this way, oh, I hate my brother. I hate how he, he looks today. You know, he's just chump looking. And he was always the, the voice of reason is what I'm getting at. And I think that comes from a lot of uh, experiences he's had with, you know, teaching other other youth these lessons in a much more extreme scale and then, you know, dialed down to <laughs> where my brothers and I were just messing around. And um, I think that helps a lot of people and it helps you to, like, look at your situation for really what it is. And at the time, I just thought, oh, my dad doesn't know anything. But through life now, I always look back and I, I sometimes I can hear his voice like right in my ear, like just look at like the good things you got going on and like make a decision based on what you wh where you're at. Don't be like holding on to the past. Don't be looking too far into the future. Everything you got going on right now, that's what you're in control of. And so looking at it like that, like it, it makes sense why... <laughs> my dad was the way he was because he dealt with things on a much more larger scale, luckily, than, than my brothers were getting into at the time. Mm. And so I think uh, if we all take a moment and like, like Life Must Go On podcast is about, you got to assess your situation and just think, I can do better. There's, there's always positive uh, things we can do. And that's ultimately how you get around. Mm. 100%. Well spoken, Dinez. Well spoken. <laughs> um, I guess it, on, on kind of more, of, we're headed towards time. So on kind of more of a somewhat of an ending note, take as much time as you need still. It doesn't matter. Um, 
But with that being said, you now, so you go from your background leading into being federal officer, father to Dinez, um, helping shape him up. I mean, that, that must have been hard. I mean, he says smaller <laughs> scale because he wasn't, you know, a ju- juvenile detention or something. But hey, <laughs> I've been raising him now and it's tough, believe me. <laughs> um, but uh, you go from that. And then now I know that just from like you were saying, we talked a couple months ago. I know that now you're getting into the life coach side of things. And so I guess what makes you want to do that or what has inspired you to do that? I think what was inspirational was my wife. You know, in my job, I didn't realize that I had affected so many lives. Mm. It was just like normal because this is my job is to help people to help them change their life, to achieve their goals and their dreams, to become better. And I didn't realize that I had done that so much. You know, I I would get letters from parents, from my defendants, three Mm. years later, hey, I'm in college, or... Wow. Hey, I remember you. You remember my son? He was a drug addict, and he graduated from college now. And I just want to tell you, thank you because you helped him. Wow. And so I got. I still have a lot of those cards. I still have a lot of those letters in my collection. And at the time you get it, you don't think anything about it. You're like, ah, okay, I, I did my job. Hmm. But meeting my wife, she helped me change the perspective on it. Like, you really do make a. a a change or you really do make a difference in these people's lives. So it took for me to, to look back and think, I guess I do, you know, and for me, it wasn't really a big thing. And so I started looking at it from that perspective, like I do, what, 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 how can I be more effective at what I do and better at it? So I did forget to mention that, that I am a, I am a life coach mm. and, uh, and going through life coach school, it, it was kind of funny, all the things that we learn in life, it's really what kind of was what life coaching is almost about. Yeah. And, uh, and I really have enjoyed it. And uh, it's not as hard as most people think. You, you, you are definitely could be a life coach. We'll I mean, I what you do here, that. yeah, what you do right now, you <laughs> ask really good questions. That's part of life coaching. You never give advice. Hmm. You're more inquisitive. You, you, you help the other person look inside and look at themselves and figure out a game plan. Hmm. Because life coaching isn't about, you know, preaching or yeah. sharing or anything like that. It's more about helping the other person to see it from a different perspective mm. with their own words. So my wife helped me to see that. And I was initially worried about jumping off the boat and, like, pursuing that path because I was like, well, because <laughs> you know how it is. Yeah. You're going to make a big decision. But I, I remember coming back from life coach training and just felt a different energy. Mm. Just, I saw the world so differently. I was just very optimistic. I was motivated. I was, mm. I was like, man, I understand so much more now, and I feel like I can connect differently with people on a, on a different plane than I was before, a really meaningful, purposeful way. And it took some stumbling, and with the help of my wife, to remind me what I did well and what I need to do better at. Obviously, that's why we have. These people in our lives, right? She's sharing. She, <laughs> she was life coaching you. She's life coaching you yes, to be a life coach. Definitely for sure. <laughs> but uh, it was just a different energy. And mm-hmm. when you meet people like that, like I was in a group of, of 25 people. They were from all around the world, from South America, from Europe, from mm-hmm. Canada. Um, it, it was just a different vibe. That's why I said is that when you surround yourself with people like that, you just have a different energy, a different motivation, different insight, different perspective. Mm-hmm. 
it's like it just fuels your spirit and you're just like man i'm ready to take off totally totally i feel that every time we do these episodes <laughs> pumped up um and you've helped me feel that pump up once again so thank you i i think that's really cool to just drop this in there this everything that you've said it, it's literally the process if i can call it a process but the process of life must go on what it is you took the experiences that you went through from childhood that were both good and bad. You learned from those experiences, tried your best to choose good ones. And then once you were able to come out and look back and be like, wow, I did stuff that not everybody does. And I'm doing stuff that not everybody does. Now I assume, cause I feel this way, but now it's like, I, now I feel like I have an obligation to be able to help people and, and, and to do something that can better the world. And to me, that whole story that you've shared and everything you've shared with us today and what Devin said, that is life must go on to a T. It's learning from the experiences that you go through, uh, whether they're good, whether they're bad, taking the best from them and then using those experiences to benefit the lives of others. And as you do so, it recharges yourself, like you're saying, and it helps you to be able to see life in a more positive perspective. And even if you're going through challenges you have now been equipped with skills and talents and, and, and abilities and, and a perspective that you're like, no, this is just a challenge that's going to teach me things in order for me to share things with other people. And I try my best to look at my whole life situation like that. It's like I'm living life and I'm going through this challenge in order for me to learn something to help somebody else. Um, and it sounds like ultimately that's what you've been able to to do and to accomplish. It is. I mean, and you... You hit it right on the spot. I mean, I think that's one of the purposes of life. That's why we have kids, right? We mm -hmm. want them to do well in life, and we guide them and help them and encourage them. They're not always good parents, but for the most part, you know, they, they do that. Mm -hmm. What Devin said was really true, and that's really kind of how I live my life. Like, what I try to share with people is, you know, when we're here in this moment, and it's hard to be in this moment because our brain goes back to yesterday or last week or right. last year or <laughs> 10 years ago, <laughs> right. right? Because our brain, it's designed to think of negativity, just like that. Mm. But then also it can jump forward. It can think of tomorrow, next week, you know, and like what ifs, what, you yeah, know. Yeah. And so it creates anxiety or, or worry or doubt, you know. Mm. And so people live in both places, right? And they, have, they only can live in this moment. But they, some people live in both places. They live right. in the past and they make it harder because they're living today. Or they live in the future, you know, in their brain. And... But it's challenging because they have to be here in this moment. Hmm. And so really one of the things that I really do teach and try to help, and like you were saying, is that what we learn in life is learning how to manage ourselves, learning how to be in this moment and realizing that what is it that you really have control over, hmm. right? And it's only this moment. And how do, you, how do you do that? And a lot of it is just calming down. It's really looking at things for what it is, not what we think it is. Uh, I was just sharing with my wife on the way down. We were just listening to something that, you know, the brain, it can't distinguish between reality and perception, like right. what, it, what it thinks it is. Right. Because in our mind, it already has happened, but it really hasn't. But our brain thinks it has, and so our body reacts. And so that's that part of just understanding how we, how we work, how our body functions, and realizing that, okay, calm down. It's not over. The end of the world isn't coming. Mm. You know, it's bringing you back into this moment of like what really is happening, not what we think is happening, but what is what is happening? Yeah, and I think, like you said, when you look when you use your life experiences, 
and you have those people around you to help you to see it for what it is and gain a better perspective, you know, you, you're better controlling, you're, you're more in control of your life than you think, mm. you know, and it's those little simple things, just being in the moment, breathing, calming down, changing your perspective on life, having the right people in your life. Life is really simple, but we make it harder by our choices we make, you know, and it really is like what you said, you know, we, we, when we help others, we do a lot more for not only them, but more for ourselves. Yeah, 100%. 100%. And that, ladies and gents, is a really good note to end on. So thank you very much. Um, Dinez, thanks for co-hosting today. Anytime. Good anytime. Man. He'd better be giving me a cut this weekend. You know that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, we got, let's shout out Sam Lee putting on the PHS. Oh, yeah, we got high school reunion. 17 reunion. <laughs> Put it on here. We made it. We made it five years Five years later. <laughs> Look um, at us. And then thank you again, Lonzo, for coming on and, and sharing a lot of your experiences. And as well, thank you. I don't know if, I don't know if Dinez has ever told you this. The first day me and Devin really headed off as friends was we went to the Capitol building on a field trip. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that's we went out to lunch circle. with you at McDonald's. That was the first time I ever met you. Yeah, so and, I remember uh, that day. Ever since then, that was seriously like... That was literally five years ago. Yeah, that was literally <laughs> five years And that was like the pinnacle moment where me and Dinez were like, hey, man, we should hang out more often. <laughs> yeah. And so, I said, my pops is just down the street because he, he works in this building all the time. And then... McDanks was right there. McDanks was right there. And that's <laughs> how we bonded. I know. That was like the homeless McDonald's, too. Yeah, I was going to say the, the <laughs> center was, was right there. I was about to say that was the homeless McDonald's because that one's intense. That one is very much intense. Well, that's good. That's great. I'm glad you guys became good friends. <laughs> yeah, so thank you for that. And thank you for coming on today once again. It was a really good episode. So Thank you. I enjoyed no, it. Thank you. <laughs> but ladies and gents, oh, and Sharon, thanks for being here, as always. Um and uh yeah that's that's all i have today so you guys got anything else that's it man all right ladies and gents tune in to last week's episode and tune into this one and then tune in the next week Kawhi, let's hear him here he is one more time yeah where's Kawhi at Kawhi.